Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures. And this might sound a little bit different because Patrick's usually taking the helm with the introduction uh, most weeks, Patrick, but uh, you've got a little sore throat at the moment. Good morning, mate. Good morning, Redmond. Well, no, this throat's feeling good, but just don't have the uh, quite the projection that you've got with your voice at the, the, at the moment. It's a bit more uh, Barry White-esque, shall I say. Probably doesn't make as much sense as yours, but that, that's all right. We'll, we'll work with it today. Uh, we're going to go straight into a bit of fishing fishing uh, boating news, Patrick, and you're always plenty, good for keep, keep us up to date with that. There's plenty happening, Redmond. Uh, Ford Range, they've been spotted over in Europe testing a hybrid version of their Ford Ranger. So obviously here in Australia we see the diesel version. We're seeing Ford pursue the two-litre Diesel still maintaining that three-and-a-half-ton payload. So that's been spotted, and that looks to be a 2022 launch, which would see an entire redesign of their Ford Ranger. Yamaha outboards. Just uh, just quickly on the Ford Ranger, ScoMo a few years ago, wasn't it, that said we'll never see an electric tow vehicle? Yeah, look, Scott, that wasn't Scott's best call, particularly (laughs) after Elon Musk launched uh, the new Cybertruck, which – is claimed to have a four and a half ton payload at minimum, and then as the <laughs> the model improves, you'll get a greater uh, payload increase. And we've seen other manufacturers really pursue this this segment, which is the the Ute segment right around the world and globally because it is just so popular. So we've you've heard a lot about Rivian, which is a a startup in the US. Um, we're not quite sure whether we'll see that model uh, in Australia, but it, it's you know it's likely that we are well down the food chain when it comes to seeing these uh, US model cars introduced into Australia. That being said, we don't know. We may we may see them. We've seen it with Dodge Ram and the success uh, that Ram has had in Australia uh, over the past eighteen to to twenty four months. And it's safe to say there's a real appetite for Australians to to purchase these larger, you know, US-based pickups that have the ability to tow, you know, four and a half ton. And I think what Ram did, they they hit a sweet spot in the market around cost. You know, they hit it at seventy nine grand and above. You know, and we all know it starts there. And you're obviously going to spend more when you're purchasing a car. Um, but it got the interest involved, and we've seen the the popularity there. Yamaha, we've seen over the last few weeks, they're really spruiking the new outboards, and they're also available in customising the colours now, which we we haven't really seen from from Yamaha at all throughout their longevity in the marine industry. 
Uh, we'd obviously always seen that iconic Yamaha uh, blue steel colour, if you will, as. Um, but like other engine ma- engine manufacturers, and Evan, Evan Reed Tech probably pioneered this, you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago um, with their Gen 2 outboards where you really could mix and match. Now, they're obviously no longer available, but we've seen it uh, with, with, with Mercury with how they've changed their colour coding, and, and we're finally seeing it. Uh, with Yamaha, Sea-Doo, Redmond, um, they're expanding their fishing jet skis. It's a really popular segment, continues to be. So they're offering even greater um, customization to the, the products that they're offering. Uh, obviously, Bombardier owned. Um, and, and one that I really like, and I sent this to you during the week, but as we see greater popularity in electric cars, we're starting to see and and um, and read more about electric boats and electrification of outboards. And Arc One, um, which is very much space age tech, um, I was reading about it during the week on boatsales.com, and they want to kick off with around the three hundred grand US mark, a seven and a half meter inboard powered engine, um, aluminium boat um, that hits thirty five sort of plus not. So this would be a game changer in the electric boat segment and they're claiming that that hit a um, 100 kilowatt battery pack, um, you know, Tesla-esque, sure, sure, sure. yeah, Tesla-esque on the water. Um, there's obviously a lot um, of, of water to go under the bridge, so to speak, um, but it's interesting we're starting to see a lot of this. Um, so it's only, no doubt, all the main and big players in the marine outboard space would be investing into this at the moment, investing their time, investing their resources. But we're starting to see smaller players, which, you know, eventually the big boys will, will learn, launch their own. Just going to take you back to ScoMo. Leave him alone. He's been working very hard on the fantastic vaccination program that he's got in Australia at the moment, so leave Scotty alone. And number two, going down with uh, Mercury Engines, uh, sorry, not Mercury engines. The white engines. I obviously got a Mercury on mine. Have you ch- yes. chosen? Um, have you chosen white or black? Uh, I've matched white with my Northbank 750, so it's in the Marine shop at the moment. It's at Melbourne Marine, so well, twin twin two hundreds on the back of that. Uh, so the boys fitted that out during the week. The dash um, has all been installed. So from the Optimus system, which is the the steering system, uh, essentially, and then. Um, there's a 16-inch Garmin. You've got stress-free anchor, um, radios, trim tabs, um, and all the other gauges that are, I suppose, relevant for controls the 749,000 products you've got on this thing. <laughs> what I was going to say about your engine, yes. though, was I think you made a fantastic call with white. And the reason for this is I'm running a 175 black mercury so it's black even when you clean it it still shows everything it's sort of like that motto with the black car and i know your dad drives a black ford ranger and even your everest and you see your white everest that you've got i know i know your old man will clean his car more than you clean your white car but no matter what black just shows everything i've got a white car and my my car is dirty but the black just shows everything and the engine you got to remember 
you're in salt water and salt crystallizes white when it dries. So like, I'm driving into the boat ramp, trying to make my boat look good on a day's fish, and I'm hosing it down with the deck wash, giving it a wipe on the side, trying to make it look half decent because I'm sort of half meant to be representing a brand here, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and it just looks like a crystallized ball. So uh, I reckon you've made a bloody good call with white. Uh, I, I reckon – so I'm contemplating putting a 200 uh, Merc on my North Bank uh, pad. The 6 On my 600, and – I reckon if I could do that, I'm going to try and go down the lines of a white. And the part, the worst part about this, it does. This doesn't come down to, uh, it doesn't come down to, it comes to nothing to do with performance. It's purely the white thing. The white engine looks cool, but is it going to look cool enough on my black boat, or is the black look better on my black boat with the white sides? So that's the importance of the, the color of the engine. I reckon it comes down to it because it's all about looks, isn't it? And I did a review during the week on my North Bank 600C, which come up well and. It, it does. It's a great looking boat, but I'm not sure if the white. What do you reckon? Do you reckon the white, the white will go with the black sides, or I don't know. I think we're really struggling for content when you're. <laughs> I'm not on just, about the color of your outboard. <laughs> let's let's get into the fishing and have a look right around the country. There's been it's been almost certainly challenging in in quite a few states because of lockdown. Uh, let's start off at. At New South Wales, and obviously there's different rules and regulations that are appearing. Um, how's that fishing at the moment? JB, I'm just going to keep saying it. It it just genuinely uh, keeps producing the goods. Like it just the yellowfin tuna aren't leaving. Stick baits and lures, and you, you think I'm repeating myself, but and the reason I say this is because a few years ago the yellowfin weren't like this. They just weren't. Even last year they didn't run this long. It's amazing to see. They're an awesome fish to eat. And they're awesome fish to catch. So they're going well. Uh, I've seen some good reports around the Sydney Harbour. Now, there's rules and regs in Sydney that you need to stick by. So make sure you stick in your regulations. But those that are getting out are still within their kilometre limit from their house, are catching fish. I've seen Benito during the week. I've seen some really nice flathead. And also, once again, the brim right around the moorings this time of the year is always fantastic. Inshore gummy sharks pushing down a bit lower. So the south, the south, uh, the south east coast. Uh, sorry, the south east coast of New South Wales fishing really, really well for gummy sharks. Now, not you probably didn't expect me to say that, but they're getting Trapman Bermagui. If you follow Trapman, he is cleaning up on the gummy sharks and up to twenty kilos, some beautiful, beautiful sized gummies. Uh, not many people target sharks as such as you get further up as in the in the country as we like to talk about, but gummies are a beautiful fish to eat. They are one of the best, flake. They're literally top top three or four in my in my vocabulary, we'll call it, Pat. So they, they are good to eat. And if you are going to target them in your inshore reefs, actually catch the, the fish that are on the reefs. So catch your wrasse, catch your flooded. I know Gwaine got a beautiful gummy down uh, Port Welsh pool the other week on a big flat on the flathead on a flathead head. So it's literally, it's about just matching what the ground you're, you're fishing on. If I were you, find the edge of the reef. You're going to fish really well. We're going to head up to Queensland and just fishing around Keppel Island in central Queensland, huge calamari up to 2.1 kilo and not a common thing, but there's a lot there for some reason. And there's bag limit captures on offer. If you're coming down, down to the Tweed, some seriously good flooded down the Tweed in the Tweed river there. Uh, if, as the powerfish says, he's from Tweed, the woman powerfish. You need whole chooks to catch these things, the three meters. But <laughs> they, uh, well, I've said you promised me to get him on the show, and we haven't chased that up. So I really want I to know. do that. I so know. I want to get the powerfish on. But they're seriously fishing well for the flatties. Some really, really good flatties for the powerfish. So they're going well. You've also got the brim fishing good too in the Tweed. Heading over to the warm state, 
We all love WA. And Geography Bay, I spoke about it last week, but the Swimmer Crabs, they've moved in this week in big numbers. So they have moved in, and they are by far one of the best eating fish in the ocean, blue swimmer crabs. Everyone loves blue swimmer crabs to eat. So make sure you stick to your rules and regs if you are in WA because it's tight-knit rules. Do the right thing. South Australia, just quickly, bottom end of York Peninsula, big whiting, huge whiting, fishing really, really well. Calamari also being caught in the kayak and boat. But if you actually push to the local piers down the bottom end of the York Peninsula there, and I've looked at the region quite closely through the reports, nearly all the local piers are fishing really, really well for salmon, squid, and big cuttlefish. So it's well worth getting onto a pier if, you need, if, you, if you're looking for some bait or just for a bit of fun. If you want to get out there, catch some fish. And down south at Wirina, the squid and whiting fishing is red hot, but Pippi has been the game changer. Pippi and squid combo working really, really well, but you need to be active. Be willing to move from hole to hole. Don't just sit on one sort of sort of hole and get three fish and hope that they keep coming. If you get three to five fish out of a hole, push to the next one, and you're pretty much gonna you're gonna have a, a really good capture rate because it's about being active with whiting fishing. Create the bite, and that there is what's going to get a, get yourself a big feed of fish. We've got a huge show of real adventures coming your way this morning. We're going to chat to Adam Davey from Davey Marine. We're going to chat Haynes Hunter and some of the new releases uh, from their range that we've seen released over the past few months. So we're looking forward to that all coming your way this morning on Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. Before we get to the social club, we haven't forgot beautiful tazzy now redmond what's been well we vital. did forget him but i thought I'd, i thought i'd better i better find them again <laughs> you better own up i better own up sorry tasmania but well be- be- before we, we we can't we can't forget tazzy because we're going to spend hopefully a month there end of the footy season so we can't un, we can't destroy our welcome before we even get there well, the way you boys played last week, we might be there early. Uh, Riley's Creek Reservoir down uh, near Jeeveston for trout is fishing really, really well at the moment. Hawk Sniper in the Red Devil, pick of the hard body. Seriously working really, really well, and you can get it for sheriff's fishing and outdoors if you're chasing those. Great Lake Jetty fishing really well once again. Big brown trout, like six-pound to eight-pound fish off the jetty. Really, really good fish pushing into the ocean. Now, we all know you get big calamari in the ocean and Gwaine blake myself we've spoken about it on this show many a times doesn't matter where you are in the country adding tassie fishing for gummies and snapper some big big calamari have come up off birdport tasmania in 40 meters of water now they're taking baits just normal gummy baits and snapper baits but the trick to it is once you feel that squid on that bait and if it drops off or whatnot Rig a baited jig spike, drop it down there with a the salmon on it, and you're going to catch yourself some big calamari. These calamari were up to 50 centimetres long in the hood, not the actual calamari, just the hood. So they're big, big calamari. And I mentioned snapper about 20 seconds ago, so the snapper fishing as well, up to three kilo, some beautiful gummies of school shark as well out of, uh, out of Birdport, Tasmania to go along with it. So Tassie's fishing really, really good. And just one quick one in there. Davenport, the barrels aren't slowing down either of Devonport either. So make sure you do get out there and chase a big, big fish if you want to. Make sure you be mindful of the weather, but well worth getting out there to land yourself a big barrel bluefin tuna. 
Let's get to the social club. We take your questions from social media. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you send it in to our Real Adventures social pages or better yet, download our Real Adventures app. Every week we're giving away real brand gear, a fishing top and a fishing hat for your best questions. The first one comes from Steve Peters. Hi, boys. Uh, I'm looking at mounting a new sounder. Should I through mount or pivot mount the sounder? Be interested in your views. Yeah. Well, you know what? You can answer this one because you've just gone through this whole process. I'll throw my opinion at the end. You go through it, why you did it, and why you've done a, a, a dash, a through dash. I was going to say through hull, but through dash sounder. Yeah, it's an interesting one, Steve. I think um, consistently now all all boating manufacturers are building and constructing dashes that are capable of housing really good size, um, you know, 16-plus-inch screens. The challenge, and Aaron will back this up, is when you're out in the boat during the day and the sun catches a screen, the challenge is that you'll have really getting good vision on the sounder. So while you went down this path, this is a fingers crossed. (laughs) So whilst it may look sensational and I have done this, um, to have it through mounted and flush mounted, it may not always be the best function. Um, because if it is, uh, mounted on a pivot, you can change the angle of your screen depending on the sun and the interference that you get with reflection. So most people now will through mount, there, there is different issues that you do face with the reflection, um, particularly, you know, smack bang in the middle of the day, especially if you don't have something like a hard top that can provide you with a bit of cover. Um, but really, pretty much everyone now is is through mounting them. The screens are better and, and more non-reflective than they were 10 years ago. Um, but everyone has their different opinions, but typically most through mount. You can also get uh, like shades for them that you can buy that actually go around and expand like maybe say two or three inches it comes up to protect the sun i guess the sun visor i guess you could call it uh i the way that the technology is these days with uh with basically what i mean by technology is that the technology that goes into the design of a dash places like north bank and whatnot you can literally talk with them and get the angles right and i know I think you, you can customise it, yeah. You can yeah. customise it to suit it. And I know that you and I gave Rob some positive feedback when we went up to uh, Cairns that time, Pat. Remember, we had dramas with the sun up there. So, and Rob, I know, adjusted things and made it work. So, yeah, I, I, for me, more important thing than actually functioning is actually it looks cool and through <laughs> through dash looks cool. So we'll go along with that. You're going uh, really question. well this morning. Uh, the next question is from Tim. Hi, boys. What's the smallest size boat you would look at? Uh, installing hydraulic steering on i've got a four and a half meter uh, markham whaler now i laughed when this question came through as because i've had a four and a half meter markham whaler uh, i bought it when i was in adelaide and i had really big issues with the steering as well and this was um, this was rod steering so certainly not hydraulic steering by any stretch of the imagination but it was really difficult to use and had if i had my time again it's probably something that i would I would look at. Um, that being said, it is a lot more expensive. Um, and, and generally, if you've got a runabout that's anything less than four and a half meters, 5.2 meters, there isn't too much of a need for hydraulic steering. But as you get, uh, as it gets bigger, um, you know, you, you probably look at it above four and a half meters. I think anything 
any boat that you get on that's going to help you catch more fish, I think, and for safety purposes, I think it's a must. As soon as you can get it, get it. Uh, you can leave the helm in emergencies or and not worry about cable steering and throw you, throw you to one side as such, Pat, yep. where, like, I, I think as a safety purpose, if you can get it, get it. So that's basically going to be the answer for me because but if you're, so you're fishing. Blue fish. So fishing offshore, that makes sense. But if you're just bay fishing, is mm-hmm. it really something worth worth spending really good dollars on? Like it is going to make it easier, obviously, yeah. when, when you're launching and retrieving. But what about if you fall over in the boat and you're traveling 20 knots and you fall over and you let go of the steering and the cable throws you to one right hand down and all of a sudden you're over? Don't remind me of that time. <laughs> it's <laughs> so happened to us I'm, all. I think I, I, I don't know. I, I've had probably not so much more scary incidents. I've lost a couple of big fish back in the day when we were running two-stroke engines on those barrels and whatnot, and we lost fish because trying to gaff them and leaving the steering wheel at the same time didn't work because it threw right hand down all the time, the way the propeller spins. So for yes. me, for me, I think as soon as you can get it, I think it's I think it's a safety thing and a, well, more importantly, you can catch, catch more fish. That's, that's my argument towards it. So, yeah, I think any time. Time, get it if you can. There you go, Tim. Uh, and our last question this morning is from Jared. Uh, Hi, boys. Love the show. Uh, catching garfish off the surface at night. Have you got any tips for me? It depends yeah, what state you're, you're fishing out of, Jerry. If <laughs> put, you're South Australia, it's called dipping. You get the net out at night and you slowly wade up to them. Everyone, it's a little bit colder in the winter months, as. It is, and I love doing what you just said here in Victoria too. Going out there, dip netting them, they, they try and jump out the, the little things. They they're bloody psychos. They're like little marlin jumping out when you're chasing them around in the tinny, or if you're waiting, it's good fun, really good fun. But if you're trying to catch them off a pier, you need to run a float. You need to run a weighted uh, ball sinker to make your float sit upright. You need to get the balance of that. So size one or a size zero will tend to do the right thing there, and also just a small hook. It's like a size 12 gamma will work really, really well on those garfish that you're chasing off a pier. And at night, a floated light, I think a floated light is crucial because you can actually visually see it. And burly, burly's a must for garfish. You put your burly in, if they're there, they'll stay. What about uh, live bait versus something that you've, you, you've just chopped up? Obviously, um Maggots you, can buy, you can buy maggots from, yep. from the shops that tend to work pretty well. Is that what you generally recommend? Really, really good question. So Craig, uh, who partner of Salt Guy with myself, he's been doing a lot of gar fishing up at Bo Morris, uh, right next to his house. It's in, in his restriction. He goes down each morning with a northerly wind. That's a key there. Bo Morris, north part of the bay, offshore's northerly wind, allows him to fish in comfort because the wind's behind him, keeps it nice and calm, which the guy, which makes it easier for gar fish. Now, he tells me some days he's down there with maggots that are fresh and live, if a maggot can be fresh, fresh and live, and he's dropping these maggots out and they're, 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 one day he gets them all on the maggots and then the next day he gets them on the silverfish and then yep. the next day he gets them on the pippy. So one's always working better than other. And now I know it sounds a bit complicated. Let's be honest. People will say, oh, it's just garfish, but they're still fish. And if you want to catch them, there's no harm having a little container that you got your maggots in have a handful of maggots, handful of silverfish, and a handful of pippies. Away you go, you've got them all. So for me, it'd be just taking a little. It won't cost you any more. It just means you've got it. You, you're going to have it in the freezer anyway. 
So you may as well have it with you at the time. So put it in a little container like Craigo does, and he goes down there and catches his garfish that he's stocking up for bait, and he, and he really enjoys eating them. I was going to say, on eating them, they are different in the fact that it's a lot easier to cook the garfish with the bone and spine in and then pick it out afterwards rather yep. than trying to fillet a fish that is a 10-centimetre marlin-looking thing. Well, it's a, that, and you're spot on with the – the smaller they are, it's the, the more you want to leave them in, and you can use the old roller trick. So you get your um your bread roller out and you're sitting there and you, you can roll the bones and crack all the bones down the back. So when you eat them, they sort of just fall out on the smaller ones. You can pick through them. But those bigger ones you get, and there's some crackers around at the moment, like 40, 35, 40-centimetre 40 garfish, a really big garfish, you can well and truly with a bread knife, so you butterfly them, you run your knife along the actual spine in itself, along the back. So you you, you gut it, so you gut the garfish in itself, and then from where the anal spine is or the, the anus, you cut it from there to the tail, and you just trim it just in a little bit so you butterfly it, and then you just go back with a bread knife, and you literally just, like you're taking whiting bones out, same thing, take the whiting rib cage, the rib cage out of the garfish, and that come up absolutely beautiful. They're one of the best eating fish in the sea. Uh, Craigo would eat them day and night, to tell you the honest truth, and I reckon you would too, Pat, if you got them uh, as much as he did because they seriously are a really, really good fish to eat, and they are super fun to catch. So jump, like you said, little marlin, they're so active. They jump out of the water and they're playing up. So accessible off all our piers, Frankston Pier, Mordialic Pier, Mornington Pier. You've also got St. Helens in Geelong. You've got Cunningham Pier at the moment. You've got Swan Bay Jetty. So there's so many places right now that if, if it's obviously COVID, we'll be, I don't want to talk about it, but obviously stick to your restrictions. If you can get there, make sure you do it because this time of the year is prime time, garfish time. That wraps up the social club. Remember, if you've got a question for Aaron or I, send it in through our Real Adventures socials and better yet, download our Real Adventures app. It's free from wherever you download your apps. And there's recipes, there's tips and tricks. It's all on our Real Adventures app. Plenty more to come after the break. Gearing up for Dometic. Always stay relaxed and hydrated wherever your adventure takes you with Dometic's rugged drinkware. It's now time for gearing up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic. Our special guest this morning is Adam Davey from Davey Marine. Good morning, Adam. Thanks for joining us. Morning, guys. How are you going? Going well. Now, tell us about Davey Marine, how it started and how uh, you've got the position uh, that you're in today. So, uh, mate, I started in the industry um, as a, I was an, actually an avionics technician uh, back in the day um, and got into high-end marine electronics um, back in oh, 2006 um, through to 2012. Had a, a brief stint out of the industry and then um, launched Davey Marine in, uh, in 2014. Um, so we were we came on as a dealer with with Honda and uh, and CJ, and then um, the business has just grown from there. Um, three facilities over over four years, and um, into the, the premises we're in now on the on the freeway in Pakenham. So now we're um, you know, Haynes Hunter, CJ, uh, Yamaha, Honda. We've got the um, you know, the complete angler um, franchise downstairs. We've got uh, Tiger and ATX wake boats coming next month. Uh, Ski Wake World shop will go in upstairs shortly, and um, yeah, so that's um, yeah, that's where we're at, at the moment. And Polycraft coming on shortly as well. So it really is uh, a one-stop shop. Was that 
always the plan from when you first launch the business with the end game being we want something that people can come in and then walk out of the doors with everything turnkey from your boat, your motor, to the gear that you're, you're using once you, you launch the boat and you head out fishing. Yeah, absolutely. We always, you know, the plan was long-term. It's, it's, it's happened a lot uh, a lot quicker than we, we first planned, but the, the, the aim was long-term to, to create that one stop. So, you know, you, the fishing guys can come in and, and bother their fishing gear, but then look at fishing boats and the, the wakeboarding guys will be able to come in and look at all their wakeboarding equipment and look at the wake boats. And then, you know, the service division, we've got a 10-bay workshop out the back, um, you know, test pool on site. Um, insurance, we've got finance, uh, we've got the lot. So it's, um, you know, it, it's, yeah, a, a one-stop shop. And um, obviously COVID's pulled the handbrake on us a little bit over the last 18 months. But, um, you know, we're still growing, we're still delivering packages and we're still sending boats all over the country. So it, yeah, something's working. Before we get into the setup of, uh, of, a, of this boat that we won't mention it yet, Patrick, we'll hold off a little bit because it's exciting. You drive along the highway, you can't miss Davy Marine. It looks, it's one of the better looking marine marine shops going around. But one thing that has me stuffed is I remember driving down there to the East Gippsland way I think I was going and I seen you building originally the, the what you said before, the water, the border pool, the testing pool. How do you, how do you maintain cleaning that? Because I've seen some bloody water buckets where boats run in there. How much maintenance go involved into actually running the pool in itself? Yeah, no, a little bit. A little bit goes into it. Um, it it's filled off the roof, um, so it, it gets a constant flush. You know, Melbourne typically raining every second day, so <laughs> it gets a good flush through um, every now and then. Um, but, yeah, the, the water gets dumped probably once a month. Um, we, we, you know, get the pool all scrubbed out and cleaned up and, um, you know, that rainfall will come through, fills it up again, and it, it does. It does fill pretty quick, so it's it's not too bad, but uh, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's so efficient. You know, we can test everything here. You know, we can test sounders, we can test deck wash systems, water pickups, um, you know, wake boats. We can put wake boats in there and we can do a full on-water handover with a wakeboard customer in the pool. We don't even have to leave the facility. So it's, it's become really, said, really efficient for us. Yeah, it's great. You just you just answered my question because that was going to be the next one. So, Patrick, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> one, of the, one of the things that we're really excited to chat to you uh, about, Adam, uh, is the new Haynes Hunter 760 enclosed. Now, obviously, Haynes has a wonderful reputation and has in Australia for such a, a long period of time. It's one of those iconic Australian boats. Um, as we've seen uh, maxi trailer boats grow over the past five years, um, the, the take-up has been quite extraordinary. People want more from their boats. They want to be able to travel 80 k's offshore but still be able to drive it from – uh, Bermagui all the way down to to Portland. Uh, they want that ability to trailer. This is right at the, the the heavy end of maxi trailable boats. Talk us through the development of it. You've obviously taken um, taken delivery uh, of I think the first in the country. It looks uh, mighty impressive. Is it just as good uh, when you step aboard? Yeah, look, I mean, this, the 760R has been around for a little while and the feedback from the clients has always been, you know, we, we've had enough of clears, you know, and, and, and people get to that point where, you know, clears just aren't cutting it for these guys that are going offshore anymore. We we want this thing enclosed. If this was, thing was enclosed, we'd, you know, we'd, we'd sign up tomorrow, we'd buy one, we'd buy one. So we, we worked with, with John Haber at Haynes Hunter and, and we pushed pretty heavily um, to, to get the, 
being closed done and we worked on the R&D and we were very, very involved. And um, I, I gave John a commitment. I said to him, if you build me this boat, I'll order the first six. And um, <laughs> unfortunately, he took me up on that offer. And <laughs> so we, we committed to the first six, 760 enclosed. Um, we've pre-sold four out of the six so far. There are a couple available. The um, the launch boat is actually available as well. We, we didn't sell that. We wanted to keep that as, as an available boat to, to, to sell to the market. So, you know, and yes, fully loaded, full of fuel, full of gear, esky, spears, you know, um, yeah, it does. It, it's, it comes in pretty heavy. It's 4.3, four, 4.4. Four. You know, you're getting right up to the, the pointy end of, of towing abilities. Um, but saying that, you know, these guys, Melbourne's the trailer boat capital of Australia. And these guys, they want to, they don't want a marina based boat that they could probably buy for the same sort of money because they're very restricted as to where they can go and how quickly yep. they can get there. You know, these guys will, you know, they'll hook these boats up to the back of their car. They'll, they'll nick down to Portland for a weekend. You know, I've got clients that will blast up to Birmingham on a Friday afternoon straight after work and they'll be back Monday morning for work, you know, and you can't do that with a marina-based boat. With the 760, you know, you can do it. You know, tow vehicles are becoming more and more affordable. You know, the Dodge Rams at, at 80 grand will tow four and a half tonne, you know. So, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty affordable in the scheme of things when you're talking, you know, 250 right up to, you know, I think we've got a 760 out there at the moment that's at 350 grand. Affordable. Yeah. I think I need to start selling some more Haynes Hunters or something. Trailer, yeah, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, a Land Cruiser that can only tow three and a half tonne, mate, a, you know, a, it, there's plenty of those out in the road that are 130, 120, 130 grand. Yeah. So for guys that need to step into a ram to tow this boat, it's not it's not unachievable when, you know, that's the sort of dollars you're talking But You know, the boats are getting bigger, they're getting dearer. Um, but, but the tech that goes into them too is just next level now you know we're putting sea keepers into boats we're putting you know, FLIR thermal cameras and you know, scanning search sonars and and all sorts of things and you know people want the best of the best and that's what we're delivering have, have you found with that extra spend that customers do want a real say in the configuration in how everything is set up and an ability to to match that spend with a real personalization um with how they go about the whole process of walking into Davy Marine to talking about the boat they'd like to purchase, to having, you know, a few examples on deck, but then building their own dream boat. Because I'd imagine it's a, you know, you build a relationship with the client because it's a pretty significant investment and it's something that obviously plays a, a big part in their own lives and their own fishing story. Uh, absolutely. Um, we we do customise a lot. Like every single Haynes Hunter that we order in, uh, we don't have seats fitted to any boat because you can be guaranteed if we put pedestals in, they want sea frames. You put sea frames in, they want people right? <laughs> so, so we leave everything out, okay, as much as we can. We, we will customise and, you know, right down to sea deck flooring that we're doing here in-house now. And, um, you know, I've got a, a 760 just today that's it's actually out on the showroom floor now that's just been wrapped. Um, so we're shrink wrapping in-house now as well. This boat's going to Perth um, and it, it's been customised, you know, right down to, you know, where things are going, where, where exactly he wants his deck wash hose to, to hang in the boat and, and all these sort of things. So they are very, very customised and, and people do expect to be able to do that, you know, with a, with a purchase like this. They can, um, you know, they, they can go through from start to finish. There's a you know, 400 item option list available and and you know we go through but we, part of what we do also is we have the boat owners club as part of our business so we bring all those clients back 
and you know we, we get out on the water with those clients and we do a couple of fishing trips a year and we do Refuge Cove or we'll do Boomy or we'll do Eden or we'll do something like that and we we create a bit of a network with our clients you know I've got so many of my clients now that are all networking together doing business together and, and you know going places with their boats that never really thought of going before because that network they they socialise and they talk and, and, and they get together again it's great. Well, we're speaking with Adam Davy from Davy Marine. Now, let's be honest, we're talking 760, big hardtop, Haynes Hunter. Starting price, where are we looking at? So someone's listening right now. They're like, righto, I'm sick of my clears on a 650, whatever it is. I want to buy a 760. What are we going to look at as a starting price? We're not talking something that I would purchase specifically, as in with all the electronics, just a standard boat that comes from Davy Marine. 760 hard top. So something that's running minimal horsepower, um, you know, not that it won't perform with minimal horsepower, but, you know, it's like with guys these days, it's the race back from the shelf, you know, everyone wants, <laughs> you know, if you haven't got 500 horsepower, what are you doing? You're sort of, you know, like, it's a bit of the norm nowadays, but, you know, we could fit that boat up with a pair of 200s um, and it will perform with a pair of 200s. We could put a pretty basic electronics package in it, um, you know, aluminium trailer. You, you're probably going to be on the water for – Oh, 220, 230, 240, around that sort of mark, you know, right yep. up to, to 350 with Sea Keepers, Fleur and Sonar searching technology. So, yeah. You've obviously had the business a while and, and you've had that relationship with Haynes for a while. Do you have a favourite boat um, within the arsenal that has the ability to do everything? Because when I look at, at Haynes and there's so many different models, the 560 is a, is a size that – is very much manageable essentially by yourself. It's, it's you know, you're able to trailer and park it at home depending on, on the size. But it's also that that middle size that you could almost, on the right days, you go offshore. And because of the cabin structure and how high it is, it does give you really good coverage. Yeah, the, the 565, I actually, um, I was involved early in the piece um, with the 565 uh, development with the big dash and the, the layout of that boat with Haynes Hunter and that actually my personal boat represented Haynes Hunter in Australia's boats 2000 and I think it was 2011, 2010. Um, so, yeah, I've got a bit of a sweet spot for the 560. It, it, is, a, <laughs> it is a really good all-rounder. Um, you know, my pick of the bunch nowadays would probably be the 585R. Yep. It's a little bit bigger. It is a six-metre boat overall, six-metre long overall. Um, yes, it is a lower driving position, but it, it drives like a go-kart too, handles like it's on rails. And, um, you know, I recently had a demo boat that, you know, we took offshore and went out and did some camera work with the 760. And the 5A5 is just, you know, it's beautiful. It's really solid under the foot. It's one of the flagship boats from Haynes Hunter. It's been around forever. Um, and they just kept selling. Um, so I think the 5A5 probably might pick of the bunch at the moment. Yeah, Adam, the better than Patrick. I thought he was going <laughs> to know what Pat's looking at, that's for sure. No, <laughs> yeah. it's... The best boat is the one that you can use and access and, and get out in often. Uh, Adam, we really appreciate your time this morning. Before uh, we let you go, uh, davymarine.com.au is the website. Whereabouts are you located again? Okay, uh, so just 49, for commercial drive, 49 commercial drive in Pakenham. So we're quite visible from the freeway. And, um, yeah, we've got the complete angler here for your fishing gear and um, you know, a full range of boats. So if you're in the area, drop in, have a coffee and uh, say good day. You're well and truly visible. Trust me, because I've driving past. You can't miss it. <laughs> Adam Davy from Davy Marine. As we said, it is a one-stop shop. Whether it be Haynes Hunter, um, whether it be your outboards, uh, your fishing gear, it's all there. The next time you're in the region, make sure you stop in and say good day. Cheers, guys. Thank you. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood.
Welcome back to Real Adventures. We're on the final stretch. It's time for Red's Tip. I know you doubted me this morning, so I wouldn't tell you what it was, Patrick, but it's coming off the back of trailers. We'll go off the braking system because we just spoke about Red Arc. We are taking your trailer off. Now, I know a lot of people get home and they, they, for some reason, other than the fact to get water out of it, they winch it up as high as they physically can on the, on the, uh, what do you call it? The uh, jockey, jockey wheel. wheel. That's the one I'm trying to think. They winch it as high as they physically can. There is nothing worse. It's nearly a gaff, Patrick. There's nothing worse than winching it up as high as you can because you get your reverse camera on in your car. Now, you get in your car, your reverse camera with a sensor that beeps like mine because one of my mates backed into the reverse camera. It goes off its head. But you're reversing up to your trailer, and it's up nice and high. It's actually really hard to judge where the tow ball sits onto the actual uh, hitch itself. So yeah, the depth perception the depth is lost. Yeah, It's off. Sometimes it ends up on the guard, let's be honest. So just to help you guys out, this is I worked this out a long time ago and I kept it a secret. When you take your boat off, if possible, which a lot of people will have it's possible, only take it off just higher than your tow ball. So it comes off, and I'm fortunate enough to have a downhill driveway, slight downhill driveway, which is perfect for me, and I went and I only take it up. I'm talking not maybe an inch at the max, because when you're backing up to it next time, you can literally back straight up to it in line, and you know that your depth perception isn't going to play with you because it's going to land up, let land smack bang on the tow ball in itself, not sitting on the back of your back of your ute like I think a lot of people do. So I'm pretty happy with the tip this week, Pat. That's a that's a good one. I think why most people do it, though, is because they're trying – they think it'll, uh, via gravity, the water will come out through the bungs at the back of the boat. So that's why they lift them up yeah, so high. Yeah, 100%. I do, and that's what I said. I do get that that's the reason people do it. I know I'm on a slight driveway, so I do hang down. But I know more than a lot of people that don't do it. And I know, for instance, if you drive, say, from Apollo Bay – to the uh, I know why technically by law you've got to have your bungs in at all times because water can't come out your boat. But if you leave the Apollo Bay ramp and you get to the Big Four Caravan Park and then you nick up to go to the pub for a meal and you get back and your mates winched it up 400 meters and you you can't actually put the is it on and you get out the car and you walk to the back and then you walk back to the car and you winch so winch it down don't do it all the way up and I guarantee you that little bit of water in there if your bilge pump doesn't work to get that little bit of extra water out you probably shouldn't be going out of Apollo Bay anyway. So <laughs> there is Red's tip for the week. It's now time for the Flying Gaff, Patrick. What do you got for us to finish us off today? Well, the Flying Gaff, this is a pretty simple one this week. After we've all enjoyed and experienced the joy that the Olympics has brought us, particularly with half the country in Love lockdown. Absolutely, I do. Uh, now, our Olympians have made their way back into Australia, and some have been quarantining in Sydney, some uh, South Australian athletes quarantining in Sydney. Now, they've spent their 14 days. They've then flown into South Australia, and they haven't been given a reason by the SA government for their needing to do an extra 14 days of quarantine, having already done 14 days of quarantine, but because Sydney is listed um, as a significant hotspot, they're having to do another 14-day quarantine it is the most absurd thing i can possibly think of given what these athletes have done for australia how they have represented us yet the fact that the sa government has treated those athletes having already done their quarantine like they've they've arrived with the plague what about on their way to the airport if they bumped into bob or john 
that have. They the, were in, surely they were in hazmat suits. It just doesn't make any sense to me. We've got to look after our athletes far better than that, particularly with what they've done. And and let's be honest, they've been through some pretty tough and trying conditions uh, over there anyway to compete. So the gaff this week is the SA government. And please don't take it personally, guys. We need the snapper uh, ban to uh, to be relinquished in 2023. <laughs> so just bear that in mind. That wraps up Real Adventures for this morning. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We'll see you next week. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.